G'day, and it's time to get your greasy gulp out of the packet and throw it in that snag. Welcome to the Bait Bucket for another episode. And uh, this week, we've got um, a, a great uh, young angler. It seems like every uh, every time we get together, we've got some of these young blokes, but they're really pushing the boundaries of, um, of what we're doing in, in fishing around the country at the moment. So got another young fella who's, um, who's super keen on his fishing, big, passionate cod angler. And, um, and this week, we really want to get down into... Um, the, the nitty gritty about um, you know our probably our favourite native fish the uh, the Murray cod and if it's um you know there's two species in Australia that are that are iconic to what we we all want to catch you know we you know whether we're from the south or the north we all want to catch two things and that's a barra and uh, and a Murray cod and uh, young Bryn Matthew who uh, who we've got today um, is a is a standout um, angler down uh, through the Wagga Wagga region. And um, we're gonna we're gonna ask him a, a few questions that really get down to the nuts and bolts of um, of, of what he does in uh, in his cod fishing. So um, welcome to the bait bucket, Bryn. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Justin. You living the dream down there? Is it about negative four? You know? Yeah, you know, it's you? just coming to that cold weather now, so I think um, you guys have got a pretty good up there. We're dreaming of twenty degree days. So. Oh, mate, that was um, I was up fishing a comp. Uh, over the weekend and it dropped uh, below 20 degrees and I had to put a jumper on and mate I was, I was, I was shattered I didn't know what to do yeah. uh, minus 1.7 here on the weekend when we had a fish so oh, you can have that but of course one of the things that, um, that probably brings those cod on a little bit is um, is that cold weather you know you often hear that the first frost of the year is when you, you want to start chasing them so maybe not a bad thing yeah no, this time of year has always been the big cod time of year and I sort of picked up a few different times a year as well that they do bite like the big cod but um it's always going to be the winter cod where guys just go no nah, i'm going to chase a big one so you know, everyone's pretty pumped to chase them at the moment oh probably a good uh a good timing to have this discussion so how we start things off um each episode Bryn, is we we have a chat about your history so um your fishing history so give us a bit of a rundown on um on on sort of what um what tickled your fancy about fishing and um, and yeah, maybe sort of your family background with it as well, sort of what is it that got you into fishing, mate? Yeah, I think um, I think my pop and the old man, like, you know, always done fishing. I think um, Pop was right into his fly fishing and the old man dabbled a bit. But, um, you know, I think when I was a kid, we grew up chasing pretty much just trout and little reddies and sort of we didn't really chase too many cod. I think we fished from a couple of times. I can't remember if we even done any good, but... Um, I know Wobber's got the Murrumbidgee running through it and we just never really fished the Bidgee that much. We went lobbying, but um, I think there's a cool shot my old man's got. I think we're chasing trout. My brother's hooked up and he's just there helping him guide it through it in the background. I'm there in my little tracksuit just high-sticking the shit out of this trout. My <laughs> <laughs> old man loves it, just gives it to me now. But, um, yeah, like just grew up doing that and then pretty much wasn't until... So about that 16, 17, 18, I think, when um, we started to pinch the old man's tinny and sort of me and some mates go out and we thought we'd go to the river and even then the old man was like, what are you doing? Go on the river, you just get covered in mud and you, know, you don't catch fish. And we went down there just bait fishing and like I think first time we went out, I was actually the only one that didn't catch a fish and that might what triggered everything. But I thought, oh, you know, how good is this? Just chasing these cod like I think mate got an all right one like all right was like 50 centimeters for us yeah. and like oh you know we'll have to do this again then like we kept going back and back then my mates were all just as keen and we just you know dying to go out and catch these cod and 
like um, about that time, I think, is when the Bidgee, like um, we had a lot of stocking and we started coming into some floods in the following years. The size of the cod we were catching was slowly increasing and it was hard. Like we tried to get into um, lure fishing and I think when you got three, four guys in a little 3.7 stacer and each one of them's got a bait rod out and they're uh, casting lures as well, like it was just snags everywhere and we'd hook fish and wouldn't know what line to grab them on and, yeah, just from that we just give up bait fishing and started chucking lures and that was, you know, sort of I think for everyone when they just want to get into lure fishing, that's the hardest thing and we just um, kept at it and started looking at other places like blaring, like started fishing blaring and it was damn disappointment. No one really wanted to go there and fish. It was just yeah. full of scares and, yeah, got into there and I was stoked. Like we're up there skiing and had my tinny and mate's old girl said, um, you know, what are you doing? Go and fish in the middle of the day. You don't catch fish in the middle of the day. And I think I had on like this 40-foot AC. Like I was just bottom bashing the crap out of it. Like, <laughs> and I was just cruising along and, I went to turn the boat and I think just slowing down a bit, this cod hit me and I caught this cod. I think it was only about 55 again, but I thought, you know, how awesome is this? And I was proud as punch. I took it back and oh, I didn't take the fish back, took the photo back and um, showed everyone, like, oh, yeah, geez, you've done well. And just, yeah, from that, just keep trying new locations and every location had a different technique and got to the point where, you know, you were fishing, you know, once a fortnight and people think, geez, you'd like it. And then, um, Fishing once a week become normal and then, yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, if we got the chance, we'll fish twice, you know, push for three times a week if we can now. But, um, yeah, at the moment, it's just chasing cod. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an all consuming passion once you're, once you're in there. It's just a, a crazy thing how the bug just bites you and all you want to do is just get out on the water. And obviously, that's the reason we put, put this podcast together because I couldn't be out there. So, I might as well talk about it. Yeah. So take us back a little bit. You um you mentioned sort of when you first started with your old man and, and your pop, you know particularly your pop. It was um it's a bit of trout fishing and obviously the Bidgey's got that um that mixed fishery down there that you know in that slower flowing sort of lower section of it, um you know you've you've got that that um, Aussie native sort of you know fishery with your with your cod and your yellow belly and that sort of stuff. But it's a pretty good fishery up the top end, isn't it for um for trout as well. Yeah, well, the Bidgee, what was pretty unique was um, sort of directly below, like downstream of Wogges where it slows up and gets a bit deeper and um, it's sort of real good area if you want to go out and start getting into lure fishing because um, as you get towards the weir, there's a weir just below Wogger, um, you know, it's a bit easier, you know, slower current and sort of work your lures a bit easier but from Wogger upstream, it's a lot faster and shallower. Yep. So you get, um, you know, all your trout cod, you know, like, you know, 60 centimetre trout cod to hit like an 80 centimetre cod. And yeah. I think as you push up towards Gundagai, um, where the Tumut River comes in, you start getting trout, trout just moving into the Bidgee and, you know, you push up right at the top of the Bidgee and, you know, it's full of trout. So, yeah. you know, there's just tons of options for us in the Bidgee alone when it comes to chasing, you know, any species of fish really, so... It's a it's a pretty cool cool fishery in there, and it's glamour country. Like I have got family down on the on the Murray at Echuca, and you know we travel down there every now and again. And I, you know when I sort of leave to come back home, I always travel through you know Gundagai and 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 those sorts of areas. And yeah, so and, said hello yet this one. Yeah, well, you know, well, yeah, you you basically said don't come and steal my cod. So yeah, you know, I just, <laughs> can't come and bust your chops on that. No. <laughs> so um. 
let's let's get into it. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of um, of cod fishing. You know, you grew up, you got pumped on it. It um, you know, it what drives you, and you're saying you're out there a couple of times a week, sort of starting to nut out some um, some patterns. So let's um, let's start in the in the river because it sounds like that's where you started your sort of life out there with your with your cod fishing. Um, what you know, we I know you and I have spoken a lot about um, spinnerbaits, and spinnerbaits seem to be that that one cod you know casting lure or style of lure that um, that everyone. Um, you know, wants to throw or, or is easy to throw. So, what's your what do you look for in a in a good spinnerbait to to fish those river systems? Yeah, um, like at the start, everyone picks their colours and colours doesn't really matter too much. I think you can hook a fish just about on any colour, but um, I think we used to go for um, your standard like um, your lighter spinnerbaits, like your your three eights, yeah, or you know. Even up the all halves, pretty common. But I like, used to fish those and change our blades. Like if you want to get a bit more sink or if it was faster water, use willow blades. But um, I think over the past couple of years, we've just you know cranked up the weight of all the spinnerbaits, gone up to about one ounce, and sort of one ounce is real good because it you know you're throwing in a bit of current and um, providing oh, where you are with your electric and actually how fast the current is, like a one-ounce spinnerbait, it's, um, if you bulk it up with a big plastic and you've got some big blades, it's going to um, yeah, not sink too quick. So if you put a willow blade on a one-ounce, it's just going to you know, scream down if you've got no current there. But, yeah, it's um, plummet, yeah. Like we're finding more and more now, like a lot of the fish, they're more hitting on reaction strikes, like the old, you know, work it slow, you want to crawl it past their face, like it's still going to catch fish and probably catch um, more fish, but... For us guys are a little bit impatient, just go on that heavier spinnerbait and you know, work in your snag, you'll get more casts at it and yeah, they just like um, even casting hard bodies, just cranking them quick, it's just catching a lot of fish and even this time of year, like you think that slow retrieve is going to be the go, it's just, um, yeah, it's just funny, like we're sort of still catching fish but um, I know it's hard to sort of put one against the other because no one's sort of doing that slow retrieve in my boat anymore, everyone's just giving it hell. Yeah, true. That's real interesting. And it's um probably follows a little bit of the patterns that I've had up here as well. Like my experience, I guess, with river fish has been, you know, a, a couple of places. The the Demeric River, um, in Western Queensland, sort of, you know, around that uh Gundawindi area. And um, you know, it's a it's a slower flowing system, quite shallow in places, but yeah, you know, I started off there, you know, because it was small water thinking well, I've got to throw three eighth and you know half wool. Geez, that's a bit heavy. You know, like you're throwing our bass stuff, I guess that we use in the dams. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I can't remember a time that I've thrown anything under five ounce, uh, five eighth in yeah. in the last little while. And you're right. By the time you bulk up with some oversized, um, uh, you know, big Colorado blades and a you know, you know, a minimum of five inch trailer, you know, yeah. big ass paddle tail or something like that. Um, yeah, even in that that sort of that, that water, you can work it through those um, those snags and get that big profile going through. Yeah, it's funny just the small cod you still get on those bigger profile spinnerbaits. So they just still climb on it, and I've had yellows like suck down uh, five inch plastics all the way down the head of the spinnerbait. Like the yellows only about thirty five centimeters long, but like, they just climb on top yeah, of them. I don't yeah. know whether it's just because I know they're hungry as hell, but yeah, they just smash these things. So. Is there a blade configuration that you like to run? Like you see, um, you know, I guess the guys from Bassman, I tend to use a lot of Bassman stuff myself because it's, 
you know, it's available well up here. Plus, you know, obviously Glenn's down at Lismore, not far from, from busy here. But, um, you know, I've been using a lot of them 4 by 4s Yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. You know, do you, do you just go to your traditional arm or are you throwing a lot more blade? Like, what's the what's the G for um, for the rivers in there down here for you boys? Um, yeah, well, if you go, it sort of comes down to, to um, I use a bit of the clarity, the water clarity. Yep. And um, if you haven't got too much clarity... Sort of, you just use double Colorado just to get that more thunk. Yeah. But um, like, you know, if you want to get them down and you got that fast current, uh, you just use like your double willow or single willow. But um, I think recently, like we had some low water and it was still like, the, like, you know, the current was pumping. I think on a, I mean, Kota, we had it on like about speed eight trying to move along, flick <laughs> these snags. But I think um, the best one. Oh, they all work pretty good, but the best one was uh, a one-ounce um, twin spin. Yep. And, um, you know, same thing. We were bulking them up with plastics and casting them out. And just when those um, lures were hitting the current, like a few of your standard configuration, they might just, you know, spew out the side or whatever. But um, having that heavier weight again and the twin spin configuration, it was just keeping the spinning bait sort of – it sit nice and upright still, like even it was hitting that quicker water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't – like you say, it wasn't turning on its side. It was – Still given that um, that big 3D presence. Yeah, especially when you've got a big plastic on the back, like they're just going to get thrown everywhere. But just having those two blades out sort of kept it upright. And yeah, we caught a lot of good fish on those. So I think um, yeah, Jack Mars come down and want to go cod fishing and he just wanted to fly fish all morning. And I'm just started picking up a few on spinner baits. And I said, mate, just put a spinner bait on. And yeah, he's. Um, he's, good, he's good enough to throw a one ounce spinner bait on a floor rod anyway. So. Yeah, from what I saw, I did see him spook a cod. It was the one, uh, you know, free-swimming cod I have seen and Jack got the fly out, this nice little, oh, I don't know what it was, it looked like a little baby cockatoo. It was pretty sad <laughs> looking at Jack, his tying abilities. But, he's, got, uh, he's got to say he can cast well, but he's tying, he can't, he can't tie for shit, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was unreal. Like, yeah, the one one time I find a free-swimming cod, like, like, oh, look at that and, it was just strange. It wasn't bothered by the boat. We we're about five meters away from it, moving around, moving crap in the boat, trying to take a photo of it. And um, yeah, we're like, you know, how good's this? And Jack's put this tiny fly and just went. Oh, it was a decent fly, like about maybe seventy-five mil long, and you know, landed just in front of the tip of its nose, and it spooked it, and it went off. And we thought, oh, oh well, we got footage of it. And then when we come back the next day, we saw the same snag. And I said, oh, where do you reckon that cod was sitting? He goes right next to that branch. And I had the um yeah the one ounce spinnerbait on and I would have thrown it. This thing would have landed crack on its head, and yeah, it took it. It took the spinnerbait. Wasn't spooked by the big one ounce spinnerbait, but it was spooked by Jack's fly. So worked that out. Probably yeah. smelt like him. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm the Jacks. Yeah, so <laughs> so um in the river there, you you know you you throwing your spinnerbaits and that sort of stuff. You mentioned a little bit on hard bodies. Do you throw a few of them around as well? Yeah, well, like um. I was pretty lucky. There used to be a guy down this way, um, Jamin Forbes, who'd done a bit of guiding. Yep. And, um, we went out with him. I took the old man, went for the day, and I think I'd only caught a handful of fish on lures in the Bidgee, like, before going, and went out, and oh, we cast a few spinner baits, had a couple of hits, and he said, you know, when it does this, just mix it up, throw out a couple of little hard bodies, and they weren't real big like the stuff guys are throwing now. The guys were throwing 150 mil lures now and they're casting hard bodies. But I think um, these things are only about that 65 mil. And I think what well, didn't take that long. We started getting a couple of fish and we thought, oh, this is pretty good. And then 
the wind picked right up and, you know, a deep diving bib and a little hard body's just going to get blasted everywhere in the wind. But he said just persist with them and if you find just that little honey hole on a snag, he said get six, or depending on the day, well, he said get six casts in on that honey hole and you'll get a fish. And I thought, oh, righto. And, you know, you threw one, two good ones and then one on spew out the side and three, four good ones. He's doing another bad one. He goes, you still got two to go. I did another bad one. He goes, get two more. Finally got two more in there and sure enough caught a fish. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just crazy to go out with a guy, done a bit of guiding, but, um, like, from then on out, just always had hard bodies as, you know, plan B for with the spinnerbaits. But now I know a few mates go out there and they specifically go out casting with spinnerbait, uh, with uh, hard bodies. Yep. Like they just love it. Like, I think they get a, they get a way more action with them, like way more thump under the water. But yeah, it's sort of, um, it's a little bit different to casting spinnerbaits too. Like, um, you can sort of work snags in a way of just pausing and letting it rise up, where a spinnerbait, you sort of want to rip it through it and you're feeling the snag. But, um, you know, I think um, one of my mates went out and he got to metre 13 was his first metre cod, and that was just on a little, I think, 70-odd mil custom craft Lumo diver. I'm not sure how long they are. They're not a big lure, but, um, you know, he was happy with that and I think he cleaned up and kept going getting a few more fish and he still to the day just goes out and casts hard bodies like that and yeah. slowly creeping up the size of them. But, yeah, like I said, guys are going out now casting massive lures. I think they're upping the size of the braid and the rods and it's just opening up a whole lot of, you know, different areas that they couldn't work or, you know, fish were sick of seeing spinner baits and now they're just getting something like that massive coming down at them. So, yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's been um, pretty – probably for cod fishing, for lure fishing, I don't know if it's just myself, but it's just been eye-opening probably last three, four years just where it's come from. Like it's just all these new little things that have – all these one percenters and they've just all added up and, yeah, there's just a lot more fish getting caught now. And is there any surface fishery in the river there? Yeah, surface fishing is real good in the Bidgee. It's um, – oh, I think – if you wanted to go out and catch fish on the surface, you'd never caught one before. You know, you get those summer days in the Bidgee and if you want to get early morning and late afternoon, just you can near guarantee someone's just going to get one on the surface. But I think, um, yeah, those late afternoon sessions, if you've got a higher water level in the river and it's um, not too dirty, like you wouldn't be crazy saying you're going to get a dozen fish in a couple of hours just yeah, on the surface. And it's a it's a regulated river down there, isn't it? Like they they control flow coming down that through the through the weirs yeah. above um, Wagga. Yeah, flow's always changing. That's uh, probably the only frustrating part. But um, you know, a low water level can open up new opportunities. And same when it goes up high. But um, it's just when you get that big rise and the big pump of dirty water come through, that's when you sort of think, yeah, I might look at the dams. <laughs> Other than that, um, yeah, a dropping river. You know, you're still going to catch fish, but um, ideally I'd love to fish it when it's long and clear, which it was recently, and then, um, yeah, now it's uh, it's very high and dirty. Yeah, really. So they've just like, recently let a lot of water out. Is it is it flood water coming from somewhere, or what's the go? Uh, it's coming out of Burrenjuk at the moment. It's um, They went from – it's not environmental flows. It's um, a certain percentage of the water going in the Burrenjuk, don't quote me on this, gets – has to be released as part of uh, um, uh, water allocation downstream for farmers, or oh no, it's something similar to environmental flows. I know someone said environmental flows recently to me, and then they got corrected. So 
why not put it on bloody your podcast? But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's um, they went from 400 meg a day to 5,600 meg. So there's a lot of water getting pumped wow, out. But, that's um, that's creaming down, yeah. We thought that'd make um, Barrenjuk drop, but Barrenjuk's still rising. So yeah, it's just that percentage of inflow into Barrenjuk gets released. But I'm not sure for how long or you know yeah. what they're going to do about it. But um, yeah, it sort of killed off fish in the Bidji, but um, it might settle up and it might actually fish nice and high and clear soon. But you never know. Is it water that they're pumping out from sort of like or letting out from the bottom of the dam? So it's cold. It's real cold water. Like is it has it adjusted yeah. the temp a lot? Yeah, water temp doesn't change too much. Like um, it's more clarity for us. We're worried about, but um, yeah, temp. You will get temp changes, but I think we worry about temps more in the dams. Yeah, like clarity is a big thing for the river. Even some of these guys um, fishing the Murray that we met up with recently, like they're real hardcore in it. Like it's you know a whole new world just with locks and what they're doing down there. And yeah, clarity is the biggest thing for them as well. Just fishing rivers. Yeah, true. So um, uh, for the for the Bidgee, for anyone that's going to go down that um, that area there, let's say they rocked up and uh, in their tackle box they could only have four lures to um, to fish the Bidgee in that sort of um, that that Wagga area. What would you suggest that they um, they have in their box? Naming brands here. You can go whatever you want, mate. Uh well, there's plenty of spinnerbaits there. They're really, oh, you'd need to say two different varieties of spinnerbaits, but um. I, I'd probably recommend one ounce spinner bait, like a double Colorado with a nice big plastic on it. Yep, and you said colour uh, wasn't particularly important, but is there a particular oh, like for me it's black and red. I love black and red. <laughs> black and red just cleans up. I don't know what it is. Same with purple and black, but yep. oh yeah, depending on the conditions, like yeah, purple purple's like a common colour for the Bidgie or like a black and purple and then yeah, just beef it up with a big plastic and you know, that'll do for one lure. Like you could even, you know, put a lighter one in there. But yeah, one ounce, you just retrieve it a bit quicker, or you know, use the current and make your spinbait ride up a bit higher. Like just get up further current and work your snag that way. But um, the other lure I picked for the bidgee would just be a small hard body around that sort of seventy to hundred mil long, something like um, you know, like a little custom craft or a little orgy or AC or any of those sort of lures. Just Something to troll because trolling the bidgee is actually um really productive. Like, well, that's, um, that was going to be my next thing. I sort of I'd almost forgotten about it. I mean, to myself, I just such a rubbish troller that I forget it as a technique. So, you know, is it um that that's obviously something like when you think about trolling, you you know, you see guys like uh, Rob McKenzie and you know Lubin and guys like that further down the Murray. But um, yeah, is it an effective technique for for you guys in that that area as well? Yeah, like. For the bidgee, you can expect to catch um, a lot more fish, but they're not going to be as big most of the time. Like you're going to get those fifty to sixty centimeter cod. Yep. But um, for yeah, for cod like that, you know, you only got to throw out those smaller hard bodies and pick your bends. They don't have to be too deep, and you just troll upstream and um, yeah, just slowly work along. And if you feel yourself hitting a snag, just drop your rod back or rise up and just work your way upstream like that, and you'll just get. You know, that many cod doing that, probably more than casting if you gave yourself, um, you know, a day doing each. But um, depends how well you're casting as well. But Yeah, true. Yeah, it's just um, one of the most underrated ways to catch fish really in the Bidgee. Like a lot of guys still don't do it. Like guys will go down the Murray and I think we, we're guilty of it too. We'll go down there for days and 
troll big stuff and just want to get that big card and we'll get that big card and we're like, you know, how good is this? You only get this at the Murray, but I still haven't found too many guys that have spent, you know, a fair few days on the Bidgey just working big lures, just trying to get that big card. You know, they're in there. <laughs> I've hooked a couple and, yeah, yeah, it's about as far as that went. But yeah, true. Yeah, they, um, yeah, it's not as if it's just a small cod fishery. The big ones are in there and, um, yeah, a lot of the time they're just not getting – the big baits in front of them, like um, somewhere like the Murray is. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, when, when you're doing that trolling, like in, in the Pidgey there, you said you're sort of finding the outside of the bends and places like that. So you're obviously targeting your, your natural structure, your, your timber, so your yeah. snags and stuff like that. Do you have any of that sort of sandstone rock bar, you know, or, or those those deeper holes or whoops and things like that that the fish hang in there? Or is, is, is it just not enough of a, a larger river to, to sort of sustain that sort of structure? Yeah, there's a couple of little rock bars in Round Bogger, like you gotta do well to find them, but um I think the main thing is just timber. Like yeah. I think as you go upstream right up top of Bidgee, I think um there's a bit more rock up there, you know, you get a few big holes, but the number one factor when it comes to targeting cod in the Bidgee, especially around Wagga, is timber. Yeah, nice. And um it, it sounds like a it's pretty cool, you don't have to travel too far to uh to catch fish from town. Nah, like, um, yeah, I think we're doing well. We're getting out of town. You can put him right in, you know, at the beach in Wagga, and yeah, Wagga's got a beach. But, uh, <laughs> do, they, do the girls that. get out there, mate? Yeah, uh, yeah, it used to be a good old spot in the summer. I had a, a mate, uh, I was a drop his name, Ben Woods. He took me out there one day near the boat ramp. He goes, I got this good spot. I've been catching a couple of fish and uh, pulled up right opposite the beach when the girls were sunbaking. And, I was on him pretty quick, but he did catch a cod, so. <laughs> That's clever, mate. Yeah. Checking out the white pointers and smacking a few cod. <laughs> yeah, no, he done well with that one, so I'll give him that. But, um, no, it's, um, yeah, pretty good. Like, there's a lot of reserves, like, um, like it's, you know, you get sort of rougher tracks going into them, and a lot of the boat ramps are four-wheel drive sort of only, but, um, you know, they spread far and wide between or even just between Gundagai and Narendra, like, and Wagga's in the middle of that. Like, there's a fair few access points, but, um, like, we've just come back from one of the locks down the Murray and just, oh, the roads going into there. It looks like they've spent about a year just working these roads, like, resurfacing them, all dirt roads, and yeah. we're just saying to the guys, like, we couldn't get over it. Like, <laughs> we're there worrying about, you know, getting bogged in a four-wheel drive going into some of our boat ramps when these guys have got it that good. But, yeah, it's... Um, Oh, it might be something we might be able to pitch to a few of the local members, a few more, uh, you know, nicer boat ramps around town. So That's it. But I guess on the flip side to that as well, it just means it um, probably keeps a bit of the riffraff off the river. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, that's true too. Like, I think Wagga's pretty bad for it. I think we get um, the reserves around town get you know, a lot of rubbish and a lot of dumping and, you know, plenty of um, little pocket bikes and... Four drives get out there just to flog guts out of themselves. So. And what about um, do you have much of a problem down there with um, with set liners? Um, yeah, you still find them, not as much as you used to be. Like um, I think now there's just a pretty well spread attitude that if <laughs> if you find a set line, you're going to go up and you're going to you know bust it or you know certainly not put it in your boat, but yeah, you're going to cut it off or toss it up on the bank or do something towards towards it. So. Yeah. We've been there in situations in the past where it sort of wasn't even in Wagga, but I think it might have been a while where we found a set line and this guy was watching us and um, 
yeah, we trashed the crap out of it just more so to see what he'd do and yeah, he sort of just watched us and thought, well, that one's gone. But So they're slowly working their way out of the system. But, yeah, it's, it's more, I think, um, the other anglers' attitudes that are doing it more so than the, the penalties and everything like that as well, which is really helping. So Yeah, I think there's been a, a big shift and it's, it's, it is interesting, particularly on the COD scene, that, you know, there's... And it, it's probably related back to the the easier accessibility to, to lures and lure fishing and the tackle and all that sort of stuff that you um uh, that you use to, to do it. But, you know, I guess with more young guys like ourselves sort of coming in and really being passionate about the the fishing and the catching of the cod, that it, it's almost it gets to the point where it's almost self regulated, you know, like the the they they're such a, a precious species to, to us that anyone that uh, or anything that's it's causing uh, degradation of that sort of you know species or habitat you sort of you're up and for the rent for it so it's good yeah. to see that attitude spreading out through um you know through some of those inland areas because man we've still got it tough up here like you fish i mean the demerics the worst for it you paddle down that and it seems like there's a you know a set line or an old set line you know here there and everywhere you know you, you see 20 or 30 a day and it's just like man you know that they're all they're all fish that have been ripped out of the system, you know. They're not catching them for fun, like having a having a fish lay on a, a set line for for two days before you come and get it, and it's half rotten before you even get it out of the water. I just don't get it. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. It's it's not. I mean, we're we're sport fishermen, I guess, but yeah, you know, to me, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any any good uh, tucker out of the meat as well when you got a fish that's struggling like that. Yeah, I think a lot of guys too that are doing the wrong thing like that. They um just to leave the set line in there and they leave like. I think just about all of them do it and, you know, there goes the cod. But I think, um, yeah, I haven't struck anyone that's uh, come across a set line or, you know, someone set lining that they know of that hasn't given them an absolute spray or, you know, that's stuck into them. So, yeah, yeah it's just the attitude. Cod's probably the biggest fish, I reckon, in the country where the anglers are just that protective of it. I think more so just, um, you know, how much they respect cod themselves, like, it's crazy, like some of it's like a like a Milton attitude, like yeah, they just like go skits. But you got to you know keep it in perspective. Like you can't grudge a guy keeping a fish really in the long run, like. But um, well, these days particularly, you know, it's a put and take fishery, like you said. That you know, there's a lot of stocking that goes on, and you know, yeah. my old mate wants to. I'm pretty partial to a, a yellow belly myself, but you know the. Um, I don't know. I can kill a cod, but yeah, you know, guy goes out and takes a, a fish. He's he's paid his license. He's he's helping support the system. You sort of you can't begrudge him for it, but as long as he does it in a in a manner that's actually legal, I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, done the right way. Like, I always got a soft spot for like a few of the older blokes that sort of grew up and you know, God knows what they're eating every night of the week. But you know, come that time, if they did go out the river and they did get a cod was you know even my, my nan she was just like oh you know it's the best thing ever like you know they haven't cooked up murray cod and you know that's how a lot of these old guys are growing up and it's different for us now like i know i can get a good pub feed i think you said you're pretty partial to kfc early was that yeah yeah you, yeah well <laughs> you know um, i've got the kfc billy to go with it too actually here's a funny one last weekend i was uh fishing that comp and um we uh, we just finished up at the briefing at one of the tackle stores up in rockhampton I said to the boys, "Oh, let's go and let's go and hit up the old KFC. That'll uh, that'll be good." So, you know, I, I rolled out of um, out of the the tackle shop and sort of got behind, stuck behind some traffic. So the boys went up ahead of us, 
I hadn't seen where they parked, so I pulled straight into into KFC and straight into a dead end with the boat on the back and had to reverse out past, like, basically backwards through the drive-thru, and it had to be peak hour in Rocky. Every every man and his dog wanted a feed from KFC, and I just had a full flip out, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> I eventually just started jumping like um, curbs and stuff like that and driving into the service station next door. So <laughs> went pretty well. Uh, I think, um, yeah, just there's that much better food you can eat than a Murray God in the long run. But um, yeah, if guys you know, want to take them, you know, there's slot limits now. And I think um, it, it's always going in the right direction. So, like, I think a lot of guys have got a lot of trust in fisheries and um, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's a lot better than what it was and if there's room for improvement, they sort of always put it out there to, to see with anglers. Like I think that last in the slot limit, that was suggested to anglers to get their feedback first. So I think, um, yeah, having a good relationship with fisheries, with anglers is always going to be the best thing for any species. Yeah, definitely. And you know, something that um, Queensland fisheries need to take a serious note of up here um, is you know that licensing system and, and the engagement that um, New South Wales fisheries have with the, you know, with the individuals down there is is what it needs to be. And and because you you start paying for it, you know, you're now a consumer. So hence the reason that there's a consultation that goes about it. You know, not having that up here means that it's um you know the the recreational angler unfortunately is a is an unknown quantity. Um, and you know for that reason we sort of don't have much of a, a voice other than the the peak bodies that go to go to bat for us so yeah kudos to um to the fishers down your way as well as new south wales fishery for you know creating a, a fishery for the future so that you know all the all the the young dudes that you see out on instagram and facebook and stuff like that now are um you know got a got a fishery to enjoy yeah no that's um the other thing too that's just gone crazy is just the social media like um instagram facebook like just seeing some other guys like other locations that you know, chasing cod. It's just seeing some of the things they do, and you think, you know, would that work here? Like stuff you never try, and then you go out and try it, and you know, you can actually catch fish, and it's just open up a world. Just yeah, you know, you're not watching fishing shows, or you're not um, necessarily reading magazine articles. It's just guys that love cod fishing, and you're going out there and just showing everyone what they can do on their own um, Instagram or Facebook page. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier, and I, I want to touch on it, is uh, trout cod, and yeah, it seems like there's been a real resurgence in in the trout cod, particularly down in your local area over the last couple of years. Like it's, you know, was, they were a rare capture, but you know, fisheries done seems like done a pretty good job, but um, putting a few in. So, you know, are you, uh, are you starting to see some some decent catches of them now? Yeah, like um, oh, it wasn't too many years ago. When we were just bait fishing. You'd near catch two to one trout cod to Murray cod. Like yeah, there you go. Little things, they'd go around like they'd smack your lure and same thing. It's all oh, smack your bait. You'd think they were a bigger fish, but um, like slowly we've sort of heard stories of bigger ones. And then oh, I've seen I've seen them in the 70s. I've heard of them in the 80s. And then I've heard one story of a 92-centimeter trout cod, and I'm not 100% on that. But mm. like, um, yeah, they're just, I suppose, they've, you can't really target them, but um you know, you're virtually fishing for Murray cod anyway. Like, you're always going to get them as a bycatch. Um, but if you, yeah, if you cast a lure and a trout cod hits it, geez, it feels like it feels like you might have a meter cod on. Like, they're just so aggressive. And that was sort of, 
I think a bit of their demise when they were um, getting over fish. So yeah. they were just smacking everything. So they were pretty easy to catch. But um, yeah, now I think you could go out and you could expect the catch. You know, a trout cod maybe around that sixty centimeter mark, which you know was pretty crazy to say even five years ago. So, That's but awesome. um, yeah, I think as they get bigger, it'll be interesting to see. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll be interested to see if we ever see one over ninety. But um, I'm, I think I've been told that yeah, they don't get as big as Murray cod, but um, we'll wait and see, I suppose. So one thing that you um, you've really put a lot of time in, uh, from what I've seen over the last few years, is um, uh, it's sussing out these dams around um, around your, you know, the Wagga and the, the local area. Um, so, give us a rundown. What what dams are you spending your time in there? A dam that's um, done my head in over the years and put most amount of time in has been Blaring Dam. So yeah. what sort of what sort of dam is it? Because it's a fairly sort of just sort of nothingness sort of, sort of structure, yeah. is it? Yeah, like. Like we see pictures of um, Wyangler and Copeton, just you know, it looks like Disneyland, like unreal structure everywhere, and like everyone wants to get up there and fish it. But um, it gets blaring, and yeah, it's sort of it's on the Snowy Hydro system, so it's you know always changing its water levels. But um, I think every sort of ten percent the dam will drop or dam will rise. It's a completely different dam because there is less structure in there, but you know it's still structure and. You move around, you really have to pick apart your banks and, you know, when you do find, you know, a little rocky drop-off or it doesn't even have to be much of a snag but, um, you know, if you do get that little bit, you know, like we've found them on, <laughs> like it would have been the size of my pinky, just a little vertical um, stick and I think that's where I got my first meter cod off. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was Far just out. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. The made cod, the big slob trying to hide next to the pinky stick. Like, he, he clearly didn't work out what size he really was. Yeah, no, they don't need much. Like, I suppose it might be, like, a bit of a benefit of, the, um, you know, having less snags in there. It's just sort of if you can find the snags in the right depth, you know, sound them up or, you know, get those clear water days, you can go see them. But, um, like, you can just pick apart banks, work them hard as, and then you pretty well going to have a chance of fish. Like, I love to fish cope, and I still haven't got up there. Um, on a Mate, the, time, the time is coming, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was supposed to be going this weekend, but this, this East Coast low was, uh, uh, is it's going to dominate, and by East Coast low, I mean my missus, so that's why I'm not going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, um, oh, no, blaring, blaring is tough, I think, um, for a lot of guys, it's like going anywhere new. You sort of nut it out the first couple of times, but we've also had mates that we've talked it up to come up here, and you know they've just caught you know big fish and caught a few of them. We're like, how the hell did you do that? Like, we can't even do it fishing all the time. But you know, it's um, it's got some absolute monsters in there. Like I think the biggest I've seen a photo of was it was a meter forty five. Like the Whoa, thing was huge. That's a pony. Yeah, it was on a it was like Dave Carter. He got it. I think on a on a jackal with a twenty pound braid and leader, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're kidding! It's the same as Copeton, you know. Those guys go down there and fish like those little ZX forties and other, you know, like little um, blade bait type things on you know six pound for yellows and end up with meter twenty cod. And you're just like, man, this doesn't work. And then you instantly, you know, you start going throwing trying around one ounce spinner baits or you know, two and three ounce spinner baits that you're trolling with, and you're like, maybe we've got this wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, it's funny, like, even back in the day, I think, um, trolling those little lures in the shallows, particularly, like, night fishing, like, blaring used to be, you know, there's fish in there, catch them at night. Like, it was just a big night fishery and guys are running just small lures in shallow and, you know, like, under 12 foot, like, even 8 foot deep and they were getting big fish. Like, these cod were coming up into the shallows to feed on these small little fish, but I think now with um, the way things have changed, just everyone's running big lures and it's sort of producing the same, if not more fish, like probably more like photos and that, more going up on Facebook. But yeah, um, yeah it's um, yeah, just those new little trends and stuff like that, like guys nutting out stuff that works and yeah, the big lures have been you know pretty good the last couple of seasons, so we're going to keep sticking at that for a while. Yeah, and are you trolling or are you casting? Um, the big lures, yeah, pretty much just trolling, but um, during the day, I think, yeah, bulking up those spinner baits, and then some guys have been getting a few fish casting, a few big lures, but again, yeah, it comes down to having a bit heavier rod and, you know, beefing up all your gear as well to cast some of those big things, or I was with a mate casting a 190mm hard body lately, and yeah, the thing wasn't real graceful through the air, but got the job done. Yeah, if it's getting bites, well, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, so it builds up your arms like Popeye too. <laughs> Have your spinach and start throwing some dirty big AC invaders around, eh? Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's all changing, so it's cool to see just some of the new little things that have happened. So nice, and um, you know, yeah, just give us a bit of a rundown because you know a lot of guys sort of are getting into it a bit, and if you are doing your troll runs out there, you know you. What what are you working? Are you working points? You say you're looking for structure, but what sort of structure are you looking for? Is it mainly timber? Is it rock shelves? Is it individual rock piles? Is it just the 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 points that the fish are, are hunting on? You know what is it that um, you're looking for on your on your sounder? And then how do you how do you work that structure with your uh, trial runs? Yeah, it's funny. Like um, I don't know. I think everyone's just got to learn that you'll learn more from a fishless day than. You know, catching fish, like, I think I had a string of, <laughs> I don't know how many fish on stage for a while, but then, um, like, once you work it out, I think targeting timber, like, especially those big lures, if you go for, like, timber and, you know, you sound them up, like, they might be, like, 20 foot down or something, and, you know, even you can find a nice big bouldery point or some rocks under the water, like, if the cod are sitting there, they're going to be sitting there, and that's their snag. And if you're running something big at them, you know that's going to be something to really piss them off, so they'll smack it. But um, I think when you're targeting, if you try to target that, you know, with a little small lure, like one of those little lures that you might do at night, like up in the shallows, um, you know, on their snag, they're happy as shit. Like then they're not really going to be too bothered by something like that. So the bigger lures, you know. Sound up those snags that are in there, like on your trial runs, about 20, 25, even 30. Like, we working, we found one 35 foot there for a while ago and we got a cut off it. But yeah, it's just make them, you know, really upset them and get those big lures in their face and they'll just make them cranky and get them moving. But um, yeah, like nighttime, it's really just about coming up in your shallows and um, you'll sound them, you'll still sound your fish, but you don't necessarily have to go as big. but you know, a lot of the bigger lures now are fairly deep divers too, so that sort of pushes you towards those small lures as well, just to run in shallow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I see the guys at Copeton when I've been down there. When they troll, they um, they troll uh, very close to the boat, and um, and also you know they 
I'm trying to work out what speed they're going, but they're actually traveling. Yeah, you know, they're getting along. You know, is there? Do you have a preferred speed and a um and sort of a distance behind the boat? Like, do you troll in close, or do you or do you give yourself a bit of distance between the boat and what you, and um and your lures? Yeah, sort of the distance. It all it pretty much changes on um what bib types you got on, like how deep your lure is. But you know, you can troll a lure and you put out too much line, and it'll sort of belly up in your line. You you know you haven't got real good control of it. Like you'll work your rod and it'll just feel doughy, but Oh, we usually just try, you know, run out your line as far as you can before that happens. But you know, it's depending on how deep you're fishing too. But I think a lot of the lures we're using now are sort of 25, 30 footers, and we're yep. using them in about 20 foot of water. So we can usually get our lures to hit the bottom, like to just smack bottom out. Because um, yeah, if they're a 30 foot lure and you're using them in 20 foot, you know, they're going to run too deep. But we'll bring them back in a bit. And just shorten up your line, and then um, you know you've got it swimming above the bottom, where it's not banging out because you won't catch fish if you're banging out on the bottom. But I think when you've got that um, lure up a bit, you know you got a lot more control over it too, like going up and down the water column, and it's just um, yeah, it makes it a lot easier too, especially when you're coming out to points and you know you haven't got the best driver, and <laughs> he's just <laughs> running you across the bank. So yeah, having that deeper, oh, uh, going over deep, like. Yeah, just even those 40-foot bib lures and running them in, you know, 25-foot and just having them in closer there, like, it's a real benefit just to have more control on your lure. Yeah. Now, um, when the, these fish are up in the shallows, are you throwing, starting to throw some, some top waters or some, you know, wake baits or um, or any of your swim baits and that sort of stuff at them now as well? Yeah, well, that's the cool thing about blaring is um, all that stff's only just coming in now, like... Um, so a few guys that have been working like plastics, like larger plastics on real well and I think the surface luring, like a lot of guys haven't really tried it till about sort of the past six months to a year, like getting up there in the shallows and then, yeah, weight baits are going to be all in the same thing. Like these cod are coming right up in the shallows, like they're in less than a metre of water, some of them, so. Wow, that's unreal. And you're talking about fish that are up to a metre 20. Yeah, like... Um, I think it's crazy. Like we used to see, you know, big cod caught a blaring. It was always massive. Like you never really got a size. You just thought, you know, this thing's massive. But as brag mats sort of got, you know, spread amongst boats, like guys were actually measuring them, and you'd see that a few times in the season there'd be like a meter twenty cod. You're like, God, that thing's big, and you know, all of a sudden these meter thirty cod were there, and like the amount of like meter thirty cod that come through in a season, like. It's just crazy, and there's the ones you don't hear about as well. But it's just um, I don't know what it is up there. Like, did someone just drop some nuclear waste in or something? Because <laughs> I think when you get when you get a meter cod, like meter cod is like always everyone's goal. But it's just when you get to those damn fish and they go to a meter ten, it's just that extra ten centimeters. They really fill out and they get a massive head. And those meter twenty fish, like I've been in a boat with one of those, and like. <laughs> you don't know what to do they're just so big and like we haven't had a meter 30 come anywhere near us but geez when one of those comes in like yeah <laughs> like your gear can only do so much like nets and gloves and all sorts of things so it'd be interesting when it happens so if it happens yeah that's for sure and is there any other dams in that sort of area that you spend a bit of time in yeah barrenjack barrenjack's probably got more structure than there like um and, it's and- a lot Barrenjack's where they so that's that's where they you know water's coming in and out from the bidgey yeah yeah that new thing they're doing but um, yeah it's um like 
same thing. It's a real big night fishery as well, like guys trialing at night. And it's um, it's got some monsters in there too. Like I think um, probably the last oh, five to ten years, probably oh yeah, probably the last ten years, blaring sort of you know been the number one sort of night fishing spot. But over the last few years, a lot more guys have gone to Bar and Jack and fished it at night, and um, just the results they get. You think you know some nights you just get good weather and everything looks good and you sort of don't know which one to go and you have to pick one but you know they're both as good as one another but just having that more structure at um at Burringer makes it a little bit more appealing a lot of the time but and is it a seasonal thing out there as well yeah we're sort of finding now you can catch big cod all year round but um that first of December when you get um you know the cod all finished spawning they're still pretty fired up like if you can get a high water level of blaring and, you know, casting is just unreal, like cruising around, working, you know, any of those rocky formations or the timber, or, like there's big cod there and they're cranky, like they're all fired up. But, mm. um, yeah, you would be too if you sat on a nest for that long. But yeah. you miss, and your missus bugged off and left you there to look after it. But <laughs> they, um, yeah, and then, you know, that's a good time for trialling as well. Like, you know, they're really, you know, in action, you know, that warmer water and then, I think uh, as you're coming in that colder weather, like sort of we've just had now, as it started to cool off, they sort of, um, yeah, they fire up again. But um, I think it's sort of traditional for us, the water level to start dropping, I think, December, like the start of cod season. Yep. And um, it'll start rising through winter, and it's been rising a fair bit at the moment. So, yeah, they're biting on that drop at the start, and then as it just starts to rise, yeah, they bite again. But... Um, no, there's a heap of different factors that you could put it down to, but yeah, it's become like a 12 months. Besides, like you got your close season, like that yeah. cuts out 12 months, but yeah, you could catch big cod 12 months of the year if you went out and set tasks. So, yeah, cool. And the um, going back to that sort of uh, that lure box again, if you had four lures for fishing the uh, for bar and jack and uh, bowering, would you what, what's your four favorites? All right, four. For those, I'd go a big spinnerbait, and that's a cool thing. And just do a one ounce double Colorado again, like it'll cover both. Like you just yep. let it sink, and then um, well, you're gonna have to have. Oh, you should see the amount of lures in my boat. <laughs> you say four. Um, yeah, but you probably use four out of the, all the ones that you got. Yeah. Oh, I think actually I'd have that one ounce spinnerbait and I'd have a, a one ounce mumbler as well ah true so for the punters out there the um, mumbler is effectively a chatterbait so instead of having your, your blades on the, the front of the jig you just got a, a big single blade gives it a big sort of uh, shimmy and, and then uh, you know in the case of the mumbler which you put out by Bassman it's a um, you know a, a five or a seven inch um, yeah plastic with a with a skirt on it really is it probably the best way to describe it yeah, it's like um, it's like a giant plastic with just that you know your jig head and that blade on the front that's just gonna thump the whole way as you wind it. But it's sort of um, it's been real good for um, yeah that summertime when you want to work work banks and work them all the way down. Like just let it sink and you can let it hit the bottom and even sit on the bottom a little bit and just do a little hop all the way down. Um, got a mate Higo and we've um, started to call it the Higo Hop because he cleans up with a one ounce mumbler just hopping it down the bank. But um, he, um, yeah, he's bloody averaging like a 70-centimetre cord every time he goes out up there. But, he, um, yeah, he loves it. And then I 
lucky enough to jam a uh, 116 on a um, on a big black and red number. So black yeah. and red, mate, it's a colour to get. Yeah, maybe I'll be buying more of them now. But I love the black plastics. Yeah, no, well, they're going to stand out. I think um, if you got that, especially how clear blaring is, and you got that, um, you know, those bright days, just having that big black thing, like they're looking up, you know, a big silhouette, they'll just, you know, see that more. But um, we don't mind too if you get uh, in clear water, if you've got those overcast days, just throwing out something bright. Yep. But um, yeah, so I've got the Mumba, the one out spinnerbait. Um, pretty partial to a jackal. It's. Uh, I can't really say it's not a big cod lure. So, you know, that metre 40 something got uh, nabbed on a jackal. So, yeah, you have something small like that. Well, like TN60? Like, that's when you say jackal, that sort of stuff? Yeah, probably like, I like the TN65s. Like, yep. They're just a little bit heavier and get a bit more sink on them. But um, just one of those. And then, um, yeah, big trolling lure. Um, your last one, there's, there's a ton you can pick from. Like,. Um, I think a lot of them, depending where you're fishing, a lot of them get down deeper and you look at stuff like rattles and no rattles and oh, you can go for days. That's why I've got so many in the, in the yeah. bloody boat. But, yeah, I'd have to go one of the biggest like, trolling lures just to um, you know, get up there and work those, you know, that stuff you sound up and just bash the crap out of the timber with it and try to stir up one of them and try to get them to um, get more of a reaction and um, get them to feed, so. Yeah, nice, nice. That's um, it's exciting stuff, man. Like, like, I reckon there's nothing better. Like, I, uh, you know, the fight isn't fantastic, but man, that hit on a cod, it's yeah. just out of this world. It's just the amount of water that they move and the and that that feel through the the rod and the the, the producer Luke's just laughing at me now because every time I come back from a cod trip, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, mate. I caught one off the surface and and, and he, he pulled me up on it today. He's like, what, what? It sounded like a fridge being dropped from outer space. And I was like, yep, that, that's my usual line on it. Yeah, no, that is dead set the sound too on one of those big cod. Like, oh, oh Grant, cop that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had guys down at my well, they've had an unreal surface fishing um, sessions down there like this season. And they just say, you know, you're there pitch black at night and it just sounds like out of nowhere someone's just jumped off the front of the boat and done a bomb like it's just this massive explosion. And, yeah, it's um, it's pretty, like, it rattles you when you're casting out there in the middle of the night. You think, shit, if I get one now, I'm going to shoot myself. But, oh, yeah, I've, um, I've had a few of those experiences, like when we're fishing down in the gorges um, at night and you wind the, the surface a little to your feet and they hit and you, you actually run backwards. You shit yourself because yeah. you think someone's shot in front of you. Yeah, no, it's good. Like um, we've been locking up drags a bit more these days, and I think um, we can pick a good fish now. Just is most of the time you hook a cod, you'll get those head shakes first. Yeah, and when those head shakes pull line, every head shake, you just think, right, this is on. Like it's the best feeling, and you know we've had cod there hit like pelagic fish, like trolling along next minute, your drags just screaming, and it screams for a bit, like it's just one constant run, and you don't know what to go with they are, but. <laughs> I don't know what the story is. So, it, usually you'll just get those head shakes and then your runs. But um, uh, every cod's different, which is weird. Some just play up forever, and some just come straight in. So, no, they're they're an awesome fish. So, how we uh, we always pull up stumps on the bait bucket is um, is your, your your final destination. You've got 
one day left to live. You've got no limitations as to uh, to where you can go, and you can fish for any species. What um, you know, what would it be, mate? What's your last day on Earth fishing trip? And I'm going to disappoint you, and it's not tarpon on fly. Oh, that's rubbish. There's something wrong with you. We'll just cut you off now. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought about that, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I always kept fly fishing to the side and thought I'd take it up when I get a bit older. Or oh, that's rough, fishing. mate. Is that a stab? <laughs> nah, nah, fly fishing's all right. But um, I think for me, I've done um, a few trips up north chasing barra now, and I don't know what it is. It's just... The first, I dropped a few barra, we went up Shady Camp and um, the first barra I actually landed was in 93 and that was at Marsh Creek and uh, Marsh Creek's just this um, tidal creek and, you know, you get a good wet and the amount of water like and bait that comes out of it and the big barras are sitting there and I just love casting big hard bodies for them and it's nice we talk to the COD episode and I've come out saying I love barra but... Well, no, no they go hand in hand, man. Like, you have a look yeah. at... You know, there's a barra guide up in the territory who goes uh, goes down to um, uh, Victoria in the in the winter to chase cod. You know, that's that's what he does. He goes down there for two months and does it. And you know, they're just they're the two iconic Australian species. Yeah, no, there's a lot of not really the fire, but there's similarities there. Like pretty much with all the gear you use and totally. any bar- barra combo or catch cod and vice versa. So. No, it's um, it's always been one place. Like I know it's a bit of a, a slog to get there, and even from the barrage and stuff like that. Like some years we've gone up and haven't got to fish it, but um, yeah, it's just one of those places. Like I suppose you go and you just you know you're really keen to get up there and you go fish it, and it just yeah blows your mind. Like it's just one of those places that you know just locks in how much you love fishing, and I'll have to get back there soon one day and uh. Try it again, but um, well, I'm going to disappoint you and say I'm in the territory next week to go fishing. So, yeah, I saw the barrier you caught in the bar- uh, comp you went up there last. It was cute, but <laughs> oh. that was rough. I was twenty. I worked it out the other day that I'd spent twenty one days on the daily in the last three years, and uh, I think that uh, is equates to like seven fish. <laughs> so yeah. it's going really, really well for me. I'm toweling it up. Yeah, and I'll do it too. But um, now the cod, if you can get um, get a couple of things right, there's always a few factors. But you know, a couple of things that go your way, you, you should be able to catch a cod. And you know, especially around the Wagga area, you're laughing. So yeah, it sounds like a pretty cool fishery down there. That's for sure. Yeah. So mate, well, uh, thank you so much for um, for putting some time aside today or tonight to have a, a yarn to to us. We we really appreciate it. Um, for the, the people out there, um, as always, thanks heaps for uh, for taking the time to download and chucking it on in the car. So, you know, obviously, if you downloaded, you're, uh, you're aware of us. But uh, make sure that you subscribe, whether you're, um, you're downloading through Stitcher or, um, or iTunes. Hit the, you know, sign up, subscribe, so that uh, as soon as the next episode's come out, bam, it's on your phone and you're ready to rock and roll. Uh, also, head on over to, uh, to Facebook as well and throw us a like on there and uh, keep up to date as uh, when we've got new episodes coming out and bits and pieces like that. So, um, again, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time on The Bait Bucket.